couple of years ago, I was at this conference. It was 2008, I think. I was in Barrie, Ontario. Don't often go to Barrie, Ontario. But uh, I was there. And um, this conference had a variety of speakers in a variety of ages, like younger, middle-aged, older. And this firecracker of a speaker, his name was Laurel Buckingham. He comes from Eastern Canada. I guess firecrackers come from Eastern Canada. But he was like 80 years old. This guy was 80 years old. And he had the most energy of all the speakers from their like 30s to their 80s. And there was this panel uh, discussion that happened somewhere in the conference. And, uh, and he was asked like, hey, Laurel, like, where do you get your energy from? And, you know, is there some like things that you do in life, some practices that just help you do that? And so they were thinking like healthy habits, diet, um, exercise. And so he, he, he was leaning into that posture and he said, yeah, he goes, actually, I walk quite a bit every day and that helps me. And he listed a few things, but you could tell he wasn't settled with his answer and they're having this discussion. And then he like tells the moderator, Hey, hey, hey like this, a couple of minutes later, he's like, can I answer that question again? Again? He's like, sure. He's like, you know, I, I'm really thinking about it. What gives me energy? And he said this, he says, I have this constant curiosity, this constant desire to learn, this constant desire to grow. And he said, I'm in conversation with uh, leaders and ministry leaders that are half my age or, or even younger, and I love asking them questions. I love learning from them. I love hearing what they're going through. And, and I'm, we're listening to him, and I'm listening to him, and many, I mean, everybody on the stage and everybody in the room is basically younger than him, right? He's 80. And he just had this constant desire for growth. And it made me realize that we find strength when we keep growing, even at 80. Last week, we um, continued our series. It's called Strengthen. And um, we were talking about how we find strength in our calling in, under the Lordship of Christ. And we said last week that, that there is strength found at the feet of Jesus that cannot be found by other things that call for our allegiance. There's strength that's found at the feet of Jesus that cannot be found in anything else that calls for our allegiance. And that was our theme last week. But this week, I want to go a little bit further because I want to talk about the goal of that calling and like what that calling leads to and, and what it feels like. And, and I'm going to introduce a, a weird, strange word to you because I want to talk about not strengthen our calling, but strengthen, okay, get this word, Christiformity weird word. And uh, it came, I found it in this book um, by an author named Scott McKnight. He writes on Paul, the Apostle Paul's pastoral heart and what Paul just longed for people that he was writing to and, and ministering to in the first century. And it was this idea that Paul's desire was that they'd be formed in Christ. So Christ, form, Christoformity. Maybe this is really dying hard. It's dying hard live. I bet you it's dying hard in, uh, uh, online too. But um, uh, it's, uh, we'll explore the word a little more, and it'll probably come up in some stuff over the next few months. But um, I want to talk about that today, this sense of strength in Christiformity, or strength in what it means to be formed into Christ. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 4. We're going to jump back into it and uh, read from verse 11. That's kind of the, the passage we're swimming in this month. Ephesians 4, especially verses 1 to 17. But let's start from verse 11 and uh, see where this takes us today, okay? So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up 
until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Let's just pause for a second and invite God to speak into our own lives. God, we pause our minds, our hearts, um, just everything we're doing right now, just to say welcome to the work of your spirit in us, to the voice of your scriptures in us, God. And we say welcome to that in Jesus' name. Amen. As we read Ephesians 4, like, we get this sense that the trajectory of our calling. Like, what is God calling us to? What does it mean to, to live under the lordship of Jesus? And partly, the heart of it is who we're becoming. Not just who we are now, but who we're becoming. In fact, the theme of Ephesians 4, the master theme is growth and development. And we get a sense in verse 13, these three descriptions of growth that Paul uses, in, at least in the version we read, to, to reach you know, unity or to become mature or to attain the fullness of Christ. All those three words kind of breathe that sense of becoming something, reaching, becoming, attaining. In the original language, if you read the NRSV or another version, it's this run-on sentence, this, like verse 13. In fact, a few verses are just, there's not even a pause. There's no uh, period. There's just a bunch of commas. But what Paul says there, if you kind of describe it, is until we come to, and then he lists, unity in the faith, maturity, the fullness of Christ. And so there's this ongoing growth towards something, and the goal of that growth is Jesus. First in verse 13, he talks about the fullness of Christ. But then in verse 15, he says that we would grow to become in every respect the mature body of Christ. In the NRSV, it says it really clearly, that we grow up in every way into Christ. That's, that's the goal, the trajectory of our calling, that we would grow up in every way into Christ. And each description, each way that Paul kind of lays this out for us is this description of growth that leads to one goal, and that's, crazy word, Christiformity, being formed into Christ. So it's not just what we do. Oh, Jesus did this, I'm going to do this. Jesus said this, I'm going to say this. I wear the bracelet, what would Jesus do? Therefore, I'm going to do that. It's who we are or who we're becoming. It's not just copying Jesus. It's literally taking on the very nature of Jesus that is formed in us. And then out of the overflow of that, we begin to live differently. And I think that over the last couple of months, as, as we've experienced cracks in our life, we described that a couple of weeks ago as we started this series, the cracks in our relationships, in our faith, in our, in our emotional health. We're looking for strength in things. And last week, we talked about strength in our calling. And this week, I want to just highlight this from Paul's letter, this strength in being formed into Christ. And look at how Paul describes it. He uses the word maturity. Anybody here want to admit, like, say, yes, I'm a mature person? Nobody has the guts to say they're Come on, I know some of you. I know you're pretty mature. Anybody online want to say that? Just kind of, like, comment on that? And then we can test that and see what other people think about you. But... 
think about this. Maturity is this like description of full growth, of, of wisdom, of maybe developing in your thinking and your reaction to life. The word ripe comes to mind. Like when a fruit becomes mature, it becomes ripe. Now it might also become soggy. So I don't want to like get that metaphor, but it's just that idea of growing, right? This sense of maturity. Now, psychologically speaking, maturity is often the ability to respond to the environment that you're in with clarity, wisdom, and discernment. In other words, as people grow in maturity, they can, they can see their surroundings and they know how to act according to their surroundings, to their circumstance, to the crowd, to the, to the desired outcome. You will know a mature person when you see how they react to things, how they react to people, how they react to life. N.T. Wright translates verse 13 in this way. He says, until you shall have a mature and genuine human life. Think about that. Until you have a mature and genuine human life. And I think the reason why he unearths that from the translation or from the original is that, think about it, God didn't create us anything else. He created us as humans. Did God create you as anything else but a human? No. He created you as a human bearing his image, and we become the best version of humanity when we discover who Jesus is and begin to follow him and come under his lordship and are empowered by God's spirit. See, following Jesus leads to the best expression of what it means to be human. And if humans, as the scripture tells us, have been created in God's image, then following Jesus leads us towards being God's image bearers. Dallas Willard is often asked, what does it mean to be a disciple? And he often helps people understand this. He says that imagine Christ was living your life. So even in the people I'm seeing here today, Matt's a teacher and Mike's a nurse and Jonathan works for a shoe company and there's, or there's a mom or a dad or whatever. Imagine Christ living your life. How would Christ live in your neighborhood how would Christ do your job? And then allowing the Holy Spirit to empower you towards that. The Apostle Paul writes this in Colossians 1. He says, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. And here's the reason. So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Growing in maturity in Christ is growing into the kind of human God envisions us to be as his image bearers. And maturity basically looks more and more and more like Jesus, at least the way the scriptures describe it. His attitude, his posture, his character, his emotional and relational IQ, his vision for life, the way he relates with each other, with other people. So maturity is the heart of, of what it means to be formed in Jesus. But he, Paul tells us something else. He says there's, when we grow in this, there's this unity that happens, this unity in faith Unity and faith, the word faith is the word pistis, the word idea that's like loyalty or allegiance or trust. So we actually, when we grow into Christ, we grow together. To, we trust Christ together. We believe in Christ together. We, we are aligned or find our loyalty in Jesus together. So there's this sense that, that we find unity in that. Not, not like yours or my preferred theological slant. Because I bet you if even I canvassed this room and chose like, you know, a biblical topic, we might have a differences of opinion. But Paul's saying, as we grow, we grow in unity in the core faithfulness of what it means to follow Jesus. 
And part of that is this, unity in the knowledge of the Son of God. Unity in how we come to know Jesus and who he is, our knowledge and relationship with him. And then he, he ends it this way. He says that we would kind of discover the, whole, the wholeness or the fullness or the full stature of Christ. In chapter 1, when Paul prays for the same church, he says, I pray that your eyes and your ears and your hearts may be enlightened so that you may know Christ better. He uses that word. In chapter 3, he says, I pray that your inner being would be strengthened so that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. And then he says, I pray that if you're rooted and established in the love of Jesus, that this love you know would actually surpass knowledge, that you would experience the fullness of God. And we know that the fullness of God rests in Jesus. Colossians 1, he says, all of God's fullness rests in Christ. And so it's this idea of knowing deeper and deeper who Jesus is, his heart, his mind, his vision. And the trajectory of our calling is being formed into Christ. And believe it or not, I, I really believe that we find strength in that more than we find strength in other things. We stri- find strength in actually being formed into Jesus. And we get this because, as we're going to read next week and as we're going to slowly wrap this series up in the next week or two, is that God begins to build us and grow us and we build each other up together. There's a sense of strength in that as we're formed in Christ. But I don't know about you. I'm sure that you felt this in other parts of your life and I felt this. There's often obstacles to that growth. I bet you that some of us have like, you know, wanted to like grow in literally physical strength or fitness, and we've probably found obstacle to it, obstacles to it. Maybe we wanted to grow in health or maybe in relationships, or maybe we're trying to get out of debt and then we hit an obstacle or we're trying to do something, and we often find obstacles. I remember when I was um, trying to, uh, when I was a musician or more of a musician, I hope I'm kind of still a musician, but I was developing this sound in, my, in wind instruments, which for me was a saxophone. And so I loved to develop my sound like a, a bigger, richer sound that would come out of my horn in such a way. But I would find obstacles in that. I found obstacles because sometimes I found a reed that was just a horrible reed. It was either too hard or too soft. Or I remember if the mouthpiece was too closed or too open, it, w- it wouldn't really give me the sound I wanted. If there was like a pad on my, on my horn that got a little bit loose and it let some air out of it, all of a sudden that became this obstacle to my sound. In fact, even the cork around where you, where you put the, the mouthpiece onto the horn, if it got too dry and it just let a little bit of air out, it would, it would obstruct the sound. And I realized that in my efforts, in my desire to have a rich and solid and robust sound for like what I was looking for as a musician, I would hit these obstacles. And I think you and I, we're going to, we'd kind of hit these obstacles as we grow to be formed in Jesus. Here's one obstacle I think we're all, we all hit and will hit from time to time. And it's the, it's the obstacle of which version of you are you becoming? Think about that for a second, because culture or things around us will shape a version of ourselves, a version of being human that is going to be in competition with the version of being human that gets developed as we follow Jesus. So there's versions of you. I don't mean like you have 10 people out there in the world that are you like I'm not getting like so esoteric that way, but there's versions of you that culture wants you to become. And that's often an obstacle So culture wants to shape you into being something or someone, and that's often an obstacle to actually being formed into Jesus. 
There's baggage from your life, from your past, from growing up, from some things in your family, from some experiences that you had, from a boss you had or a friend you had or certain things that happened in your life that want to shape you into becoming a certain version of yourself. And those versions become obstacles to how God wants to shape you. There's false promises that that were given in our world and in our culture that often become an obstacle to the kind of person that God is shaping us to be. You know that there's even false religious promises when religion or faith gets too tied with certain ideas and culture or too tied with certain political parties or too tied with certain ways that we think we want to see the world be shaped. And then all of a sudden, we get caught up with these false religious promises. But there's strength in being formed by and into Christ that you will never find in the kind of versions that culture or politics or the baggage of your past want to shape you in. Here's another obstacle you're going to find. I found it in my own life. It's the lack of maturity. It's or the lack of emotional maturity. Some of us in our church have gone through this course called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. One of the taglines is that that, um, emotional immaturity will become an obstacle to spiritual maturity. When we don't take the time to discover who we are and some of the things that we wrestle with or discover some of the practices we engage in, our emotional maturity is down here and it becomes this obstacle for spiritual maturity. Here's something else. Sometimes you just think maturity is like knowledge. The more I know and the more I experience, now I'm mature. But knowledge or experience can never replace maturity. I know some very mature people that have never been on another continent in the world. I know some very mature people that don't have a degree. I know some very immature people that have visited a hundred nations. And some immature people that have four degrees. The lack of maturity will stop us from being formed into Christ. Now, maturity, as we grow in it, actually helps us discern and grow from knowledge, discern and grow from experience. Knowledge and experience can become even a stumbling block or dangerous without maturity. Have you ever met someone where they said, I did this, therefore listen to me. I own this, therefore listen to me. I know this, therefore listen to me. I have these degrees, therefore I should be mature. Or I've succeeded or I've suffered, Therefore, listen to my wisdom. And I don't think that's always the case. But here's what can happen. When we actually grow in maturity, it helps us take knowledge and experience, and now we grow from it. Now we can grow from it. So here, here's how I want to leave us off today. How do we, what do we, where do we go from here? What do we do next? How do we move forward? And here's, here's the first, first of two little things. One is that we would embrace this cumulative journey towards maturity and never stop like laurel buckingham in his 80s this constant curiosity this constant desire to grow this constant desire to never be done to keep reaching and becoming and attaining i listened to another 80 year old this this last week a podcast with a guy named gordon mcdonald he wrote some great books one called uh, ordering your private world a book everybody should read in their lifetime but he's 80 now and so there was this two and a half hour interview with Gordon McDonald on his perspective from 80. And you're listening to this guy, and you realize even at the age of, age of 80, and he recognizes that the average human on the planet has about, he has about four more years to live. 
And so he, but he's constantly growing. One of the 15 things he, he shared, one of them was, I want to keep learning. I want to keep growing. I want to keep letting Christ change me. I want to keep letting the Holy Spirit convict me and prompt me and shake me. And so I want to encourage us to embrace wherever you are in your spiritual journey, wherever you are in life, whatever age you are, no matter how many degrees or how little degrees you have, no matter how much is in your bank account, to embrace this cumulative journey towards maturity because maturity and knowing Christ are tied together. And here's the second one, and it's to pursue this full knowledge of Christ, this depth of knowledge that's cumulative, that is, that's worked out, that's lived, that's tested. Have you ever, have you ever had like the difference between like um, a, distant, a distant teacher, I don't mean online distant, but like their character, posture was distant, and one that was like a mentoring type of teacher? Have you ever had the kind of teacher where they open up the textbook, they tell you what, what they want you to know, they close the textbook, cool, go home, here's your assignment. And then there's that other kind of teacher who, who mentors you along, who, who sits with you, who talks with you, who engages your questions, who helps apply, even if it's math, you know, to like life and other things. See, there's a difference between a mentoring relationship and just a classroom relationship. And that's the same with other mentors that we find in our lives. I never forget some of the conversations and walks and talks I had with my dad as I was getting older. I knew some of the stuff he was walking through. I knew from a distance some of the situations he struggled with, but I was too young to really ask him, or maybe I was too young for him to really tell me. But I would notice like some resilience and strength and some of the ways he responded to people and circumstances. And as I got older, he began to share with me some of those difficult experiences and relationships. And I noticed his peaceful reaction to them and non-reactionary reaction to them. I could have read that in a book. I could have read something or he could have wrote me a note and said, hey, read this article from Harvard Business Review on how to react to people, you know, in your organization. Or, hey, read this scripture. That'll help you understand that. But I saw it up close. Like I saw it in his life. I, I saw it in his demeanor. I saw it in his, how he wrestled with, with God in prayer and how he wrestled with how to respond to people and, and continue to grow in maturity. And I realized there's a difference between men, being mentored and sitting in a classroom. And philosophy calls it this way. Philosophy says there's, there's two kinds of knowledge. There's, there's, there's um, a description kind of knowledge and there's an acquaintance kind of knowledge. There's a kind of knowledge that you just get described to, and then there's the kind of knowledge that comes through acquaintance. It's a different kind of knowledge. Job writes in one of the most sobering books of the Old Testament. He's talking to God, and he's kind of reacting to God, and he says these words in chapter 42, verse 5. He says, God, I heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. It's a big difference, eh? God, I heard of you. Like, I know the descriptions about you. I know how big you are. I've, I've read the report, you know? I've heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Big difference. Description knowledge, acquaintance knowledge. Jesus was amazing at acquaintance knowledge. He used all the senses to help his disciples see the power of the resurrection. He sat down 
for a meal with them on the beach to help them realize how resurrected he was. He said, Thomas, touch my hands. And, and he walked into the room with them. And there was this close relationship there. And even before his, his death and, and crucifixion, he sits down with the disciples. He breaks bread. He, he pours wine. And he, he helps them understand in real life format and touching things and smelling things what the crucifixion was going to be like and why it mattered. Right? Post the resurrection, he's taken a walk and he, he, he joins these two people going to this town called Emmaus and then they stop at their house and Jesus sits with them and it says that when he breaks bread with them, Luke tells us that their hearts began to burn with them because they recognized who he was in the breaking of bread, in the sharing of the meal, in being up close with him. Acquaintance versus description. And this is the kind of knowledge Christ matures us that that Christ uses to mature us into who he is. Dallas Willard says this, and it's an important line. He says, you cannot sustain a kingdom life, a life not of this world, without such interaction with the king. So here's the thing, right? We're experiencing cracks in different parts of our lives. We're looking for strength. We want to kind of come under the calling of the lordship of Christ. I love how Willard helps us understand this. We will never sustain a kingdom life, a life that is not of this world without such deep interaction with Christ. The strength we're looking for comes through interaction with Jesus in this cumulative, deep, worked out, tested way. And Paul said this, and this is why, listen how Paul tells us. He says, I regard everything as loss for the sake of knowing Christ my Lord. I regard everything as loss for the sake of knowing Christ my Lord. And so as you and I engage in like the spiritual practices we're engaged in, maybe reading the scriptures and praying with some people, worship like we're doing right now, gathering together, all that stuff can feel empty if we're not doing it with this posture of being formed into Christ. If you want to know Christ, go the acquaintance route, not just the description route. And then our knowledge and our experience and our spiritual practices become transformative. They're not just stuff. They're not just details on our calendar. They're not just words off a page. They become transformative. And then you and I get to discover like this kind of knowing and this kind of growing that leads to strength. And you're going to need it. I'm going to need it. Another season like COVID is going to come up in our lives. Other, thing, other storms in life are going to come. Other things are going to shake us up are going to come. You will need to be strengthened in being formed into Christ. I remember, like, I'm in my mid-40s, and, and uh, a few, several years ago, I was reading some things on health, and I was talking to a guy who, like, really knows fitness, and this, like, this, uh, I guess it's a health thing that just stuck out at me. And it was this, that every year after 40, get this, are you ready for this? Some of you are going to be depressed about this, and some of you are like, oh, great, I'm glad I'm not 40 yet. Every year after 40, you, you lose a pound of muscle. Every year after 40, you, you lose a pound of muscle. If I live to be Gordon McDonald's age, I will lose another 34 pounds of muscle. That can't be great, unless you do something about it. So I'm like, well, this sucks. This is a horrible thing. Like, how can I, I'm going to be, I, I can't do anything then. 
And then as I was reading more and I was talking to some people, they said, well, the key is to build muscle, to constantly build muscle. Because your trajectory, your body is going to lose muscle every year. So what are you going to do to keep building your muscle? And I thought, and, and I realized, oh, okay, I got to keep growing to be stronger. And this is the call of Paul to us. If you're not growing, you're not getting stronger. If you want to find strength in, throughout your life and throughout your journey with Christ, then keep getting formed into Christ because that's where strength comes. Let's pray. God, we're, just pause here. And um, Lord, we're just confronted with the reality and the need for our ongoing growth. God, there's just, just this, this beautiful vision in this passage for this first century church that applies so importantly to us, God, that we would have this vision of growth, this ongoing growth of becoming, reaching, attaining, maturity, unity in the faith, knowledge of Jesus, the full measure of Christ, that we would in every way grow up into Christ. God, I, I just admit, I, part of me wants to grow in this way because I want to be strong, but I also pray that you would give me a vision and a desire to grow in this way, not just to be strong, but because Christ is everything, and Christ is beautiful, and Christ is Lord. But I thank you that in the middle of growing into Christ in this way, that you promise us a strength that cannot be found in trying to become any other version of ourselves than the kind of version that happens when Jesus is Lord and your spirit rules and reigns in our hearts. And so, God, that's what we pray for. And for some that have walked through this season and have felt the enormity of the cracks, God, I pray that there would just be this convicting call in their lives to be more formed into Christ. God, we, I pray for everyone viewing today and everyone in our church community and guests who are following along, God, just for this sense of maturity and faith and the fullness of Christ. And for some that are just catching on to this and wondering, I don't even know Christ yet. How do I move into this? God, I pray that as they are they sense and hear this calling to know you more, God, that, that, that you just give them what they need to make this step of faith to trust you and begin to grow, God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.